Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. I'm Claire Finlayson, Programme Director of the Dunedin Writers and Readers Festival. The 2019 festival recording that you're about to hear was brought to you with funding from the New Zealand National Commission for UNESCO and with the support of ORFM. This session, the Tadeo Boom, featuring Stacey and Scotty Morrison, Paulette Tamati Alif and Komini Cassidy, was chaired by Guy Espiner and supported by the New Zealand National Commission for UNESCO and Otago Polytechnic. Enjoy. Kalaka <laughs> Uh, uh, a ingara tatanei ko te rao tātou tohunga a whakatere waka a, no, no muri whenua a, heke nuku mai Busby ko iara hoki tetahi e haere hei hoa kia te whare huia i tona wahinga. Nā rira ko raua tahi a, he pauhere ngā tangata, he pauhere ngā waka a, mō Aotearoa whanuini uh, e tangi tonu ana te ngākau uh, Hei hoa hāre hoki ki tō rāua taha uh, Te rāo ngā nana kia o te mana nui akiwa uh, Pua mangasiva uh, Reira i tēnei wā e noho tātou uh, I raro tanu i te korowai uh, O te aroha i te korowai O te mataporehu i tō rātou wehinga Hoki anō au uh, kia tātou Tātou nei te urupā o rātou Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou Tēnei waiata, hei timatanga, hei, hei kinaki Mo taku kōrero, hei waiata e mahara nei E te tahi kuia, te tahi kuia whakahirahira Te tahi kuia, he whakapau kanohi Ke Paulette, ke te iwi o tēnei takiwa ko Mori Engari he mihi hoki tēnei ki o tātou Kraua ki o tātou uh, tūnohu nohu uh, Nō rātou tonu 
te mātauranga o rātau mā, nā rātau tonu ngā mahara o te noho tahi, a me tērā hunga i ahu mai nei, i takia mai nei e tātou. Nō rera, koutou mā, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou katoa. Oh, you can turn this off while I'm singing, kia ora.
haere mai, piki mai, kākia mai, ngā mihi o te ata. Welcome, good morning. Um, ko Guy and Espina tōku ingoa. My name's Guy and Espina. Um, ko tō tātou kaupapa kōrero i hangai ana ki te take matahia pō ki au, ki a tātou kātō, rā ki te whakanui i te reo Māori. Kia ora. Yeah. We're here to celebrate uh, te reo Māori today. Uh, Kua ika pahi tātou ki te wharina i ki te kimi moihotanga, ki te kimi māramatanga, ki te kimi mātauranga. Uh, we come here seeking knowledge and understanding, especially from, from these guys. Karamata mata, the pinnacle of the reo, the, these champions. Ko au tūtuki o te whānau, kei runga i te atamira. So, welcome, thank you very much uh, for coming. I'm uh, going to introduce these guys uh, shortly. But I do, I do want you to, to be thinking about um, some questions, because we want to throw this open for questions uh, as we go through, through the morning. So thanks very much for coming out this morning, and uh, thanks very much for, for supporting our language. Aha um, no hia mai koe, te reo Māori te, te reo ake o Aotearoa, ne? Te nā koe. Uh, te ariro ukaipo o te motu nei. Uh, no reira mi ata poi poi i tō tātou reo. You must nurture our language, yeah? So that's what we're, we're going to talk about today. With me uh, here, uh, Paulette Tamatia Leaf. Uh, who will be known to many of you, a graduate of Panikiritanga o te reo. It's kind of like the SAS of the reo, eh? Like Jedi Knights. Would that be fair? Uh, it's kind of like the, the pinnacle. Um, now, 15 years, really, eh, leading the revitalisation with Ngaitahu here, South Island representative on Matawai, this government strategy for reo uh, revitalisation, and a Highlanders fan, I'm told. tonu. <laughs> <laughs> Um, her, her partner, Komeni Cassidy, um, Namihi Kiakwe, Moto Okoriro, Itiatane, Itiatane. Thanks for joining us this morning. The Kai, kai Haitu or um, Hewaka Kotuia Trust, um, also a graduate, graduate of uh, Panikiritanga Otereo, uh, has taught with Tuarangu Aotearoa, and um, you're the chief translator, I understand, at Otago University as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, Stacey Morrison is with us uh, this morning, a radio and TV broadcaster for um, many years now. You can hear her on the drive show, the hits, you can see her in any number of TV programmes like Fano Living over the years. Um, Stacey won the Titaira Fiti Champion Award for Real Advocacy back in 2016 and is the uh, co-author of Māori at Home, which she wrote um, with Scotty Morrison, who's also with us. Um, you see him on... Te Reo Tātaki, uh, TVNZ, programmes like Marae and Te Kariri. Um, also reading the news at great speed on uh, Wātea. <laughs> Trying to catch up with it. <laughs> or, I, or I've got it on, uh, he's reading the weather on um, Te Kariri. Te Matapai Huiriri. It's Kiwi Wiki Wawa. It's too quick for me, but um, Scotty's um, deeply involved in education uh, at the highest levels, and author of several books that I very rarely leave home without. Um, I've got dog-eared copies in my bag with me, uh, Māori at Home with Stacey, and Māori Made Easy, or Māori Made Less Hard. <laughs> 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 One and two. Um, and, um, yeah, look, oh, and, and, so, and those books are out there. Scotty's clicks up the number of sales, and um, <laughs> so uh, he, he might even sign some too. I don't, I don't know if that'll increase the value or decrease it, but there yeah. you go. <laughs> so we'll get underway, eh? 
Um, I, I just thought, because especially for people who haven't grown up speaking the language, everyone's got a point, right? Like, everyone's got a story about where they started and why they started. So why don't we go around, starting with you, Scotty, and just get your, 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 uh, um, your journey, you know, how, how it happened. Okay. Tuatahi. Mia ana ki te reo koroki rahiri o te atane. E tukuranga tira ko mene tēnā koe. Tēnā koe i o mihi ki a te wharihuia, ki a heke nuku mai, ki a ratau katoa, te hunga mate tēnā no hoki koe i o kupu pohiri i a tātou, ki koe nei tēnei ra, nei te mihi ki a koe, o tira ki a kutau ko tō ropu a tāhua, i whakanga hau i a tātou i te atane, tēnā koe. Yes, and thank you all for coming out this morning. I know this is probably the only Sunday morning that you... Uh, come out of the house at 10 o'clock because usually you'll be at home watching marae. But um, I, I let you all off uh, this morning because you've come here instead. So that's, that's a fair enough option. Um, um, so my, I'll try and keep this quite short. But basically I didn't uh, have any real Māori until I went to Waikato University um, at the end of 7th form. It used to be 7th form back then. Um, I didn't really have many options because I focused on um, volleyball and rugby at school and not much schoolwork. Um, so I was fortunate that a, a um, recruitment officer came through from Waikato University and said, why don't you come to Teachers Training College? So I went up there and as I was uh, looking through my first semester timetable, my cousins and brother who had been there the year before and had experienced university life for a year said, make sure you put all of your papers between Monday and Thursday because then you get a three-day weekend and it's more time at the Hillcrest Tavern down there, which is the big <laughs> university pub. More time to party. So I was doing that and I got to the... Uh, I had all my papers arranged, but there was one space left and I couldn't find anything that would fit between Monday and Thursday. So I was going through the prospectus and there, there it was. Introduction to Māori language. And it fitted perfectly into my timetable between Monday and Thursday. That's how I started. <laughs> and, and what was your grade like in the first year? Pretty mediocre. <laughs> I just scraped past with a C, C and a C minus, I think, uh, were my two marks for and that so year. So that's at, at the age of about what nineteen? Nineteen twenty. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Panya Papa was one of my tutors. Um, Farihuya was there. Timothy was there, and every time he came around the corner, we'd all turn around and go the other direction, <laughs> jump in the bush to not be seen by him because he was pretty scary back then. Yeah. Um, but uh, because I'd taken that paper, I got put into a, a, a bilingual teaching stream, and at that stage, uh, they were just starting to train teachers to go into Kurakopapa because those were starting to be launched, and they had um, they'd gathered a whole lot of native speakers from places like Ruatoki and down on the coast and around the other areas up way up north and they were training them to be teachers and so we had a lot to do with each other and then I started living with some of them the second year and that's yeah that's we'll, we'll come back so, so yeah. in 20 years at the age of 39 this is how far you can get that's right but 37 <laughs> 17 years <laughs> actually these two will have their 50th next year <laughs> 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 
That's a good line to say, I support all the mihi that have been said, and it covers everything. It is huge that you're here, uh, the fact that you have this level of interest. And um, I know I am listening to Guyon, because you must listen to Guyon, or else he gets quite annoyed. Um, I really do want to say it's incredible to us uh, to see his particular story in terms of the deal. Guyon, as you can probably tell now, it's not just for show. It's not just for RNZ. It's not just to irritate listeners. Um, (laughs) Although I am quite good at it. But that. it's an incredible journey. <laughs> and and kaite me haro mawa tahikiaya tanakaha. And uh, sometimes we feel that he, he gives us way too much credit because actually it's him every single day being a hyper nerd. Um, he is exactly the best kind of advertisement for any of Scotty's books that we could ask for. Engani naira te mehikiakwe ete hoa. Efakaihu waka. And I don't think that people realise until he won the Māori Language Award last year and actually got up and spoke in the reo for about five minutes. And, and this is in front of the scariest reo Māori audience in the whole country. I was there myself going, what am I doing here? Why am I in front of these people? And that's about all the time I have. I did... Um, I guess my real story is very, uh, I guess, particular to being a South Island Māori. I'm Ngaitahu, I'm Te Arua as well. I have a native speaker as a grandmother, um, but my poa didn't really ever have much. He, um, Ngaitahu, he was involved in the claim. Uh, he had enough to get by always, but the story of our... Um, of our language loss in the South Island is something that won't be of a surprise to most of you. And so that language trauma um, was well manifested in me when I went to Aranui High School in Christchurch. And the beautiful Māori teacher, Tihi Puanaki, was pretty much like Timu Te Karetu to me, incredibly frightening. And so I just ran away from her. I was just so whakamā, so embarrassed that she would know my grandmother and then she'd expect me to be able to speak Māori and I couldn't. Um, so actually, I learnt Māori by learning Japanese. I went to Japan as an exchange student for a year. I learnt someone else's reo, and I realised that I needed to learn my own and what reo does in terms of your connection to culture. And so I always knew it was inside me, uh, but I never, had, I never had the courage to unlock it, really. And so it's been a journey of unlocking uh, what is very much part of me in a journey of becoming more comfortable in my own skin and my Māori tanga. Uh, and luckily I married a dictionary, according to some people. Again, not dissimilar to other stories of people growing up here in the South. Uh, my father did have uh, a little bit of real, and we would hear him uh, laughing and swearing with his whānau on the phone, but that's the only time we ever heard him speak Māori. Um, and he would give us little things, so we would have, you know, tangohi or who, take off your shoes, whingu doihu, wipe your nose, horoi uh, ringa, um, you know, wash your hands. So we had these little sort of three-word sentences that we, um, that we grew up with. Uh, and then when I was about uh, 20, I went to a, um, a wānanga reo in Pehiawiri in Whangareipek, uh, up north where I'm from. Uh, and spent a week with uh, Te Kai Makiha and uh, Hilda and uh, Hone Harawira. Uh, and that consolidated all the little bits of words and sentence structures that I might have learnt through songs or through other things into a little package that I could have stolt, uh, 
hand, uh, stunted, halting conversations uh, with people in Te Reo Māori. Uh, and then um, Paulette chased me and chased me and... Uh, <laughs> I finally gave in. <laughs> uh, and when, uh, when she was happy with our, our first baby together... Uh, I'm, we made a decision not to speak English to that baby, so uh, that's uh, 17 years now of two mai, uh, and then Kiringawa Tatarau to follow, and Taikawa, although he was seven or eight when two mai was born, um, been dragged along on this journey with us as well in Te Reo Māori, and pretty much from that point, speaking Māori every day, even uh, though those first few years uh, the Māori wasn't very good, um, two mai didn't know. <laughs> um, now they know and they give me heaps about it um, uh, it just it, the, the growth was exponential each day you have to stay ahead of your kid you have to introduce the world to them uh, in te reo and so you have to you know, develop your language to get there uh, yeah, and then lucky enough to have been um, part of the kururil wānanga and then through that um, to have been chosen to be part of te panakiritanga was uh, yeah, very fortunate. Tēnā tātou. Um, he mihi anō ki a koutou kua whakaraweka mai te rangi nei uh, ki te haki te whakanui tō tātou reo um, ki a kōrua. Koutou hoki kua tāi mai. Um, nei, aku mihi. Um, just, yeah, we were uh, leaving the house today and we, the only other people we saw on the road, apart from coming to this function, we're probably going to church. <laughs> so, ngā mihi ki a koutou, ngā sinners. So, like uh, Kormane and, and Stacey, um, a child of Te Waipaunamu, uh, ki i o te putinei, um, had very little exposure to Te Reo Māori. Um, the times when we did go to the marae, we just assumed that um, Megan's grandfather and my auntie Maury um, were the fluent speakers, but it wasn't until I hit Queen's High School. Uh, I was the only school in Dunedin that was offering Te Reo Māori as a subject, only because my auntie had come down for the Te Māori exhibition in the 80s, so that had quite a, a mm. profound effect on our community here in terms of uh, cultural revitalisation and, and gathering our communities together. But um, So I had an auntie teaching at Queen's High School, um, and so that sort of took me on a, a formal uh, learning journey, However, um, and through that, discovered that the words that mum used at home that we thought she'd just made up, like she called my auntie a pinono. <laughs> um, she always talked about, you're going to kick out normal. <laughs> and all these words that we didn't actually realise were, were uh, Māori words um, sort of came into play then. Uh, my mum is a good singer too, so we had a lot of waiata at home. So a lot of my real journey has been made easier through being able to sing and, and use waiata as a tool uh, okay. for learning. Um, however, I was raised by a really racist father who uh, was opposed to Te saw no value in it, uh, didn't value uh, the culture either. Um, so that was, it was quite an interesting upbringing. Um, it made us all, all of us offspring more determined um, to support our mother and to um, engage with our, with our culture. So, um, yeah... In short, same as Cormany, I raised some children. <laughs> My ones were better looking than his. Just on the side. Yeah. <laughs> what about the chasing part? Oh, now the quarter of the It's actually, it's actually very um, 
interesting for me listening to these two speaking English because our relationship is actually built on a Māori language relationship. So this is probably really the first time I've heard either of them speak English at any length. Mm. That, that's an interesting point, isn't it? Let's just jump in there. Whakawhiti, whakaroai, just kick it around. Because relationships, I mean, I remember Stacey saying to me early on, if you meet someone and you start speaking in Māori, that, that's the way it will go. And, and with these guys now, we only speak Māori, which is it's great for me and also hard because my reo isn't very good. Um, so I'm understanding, you know, bits and I'm missing bits and I've arranged to meet someone at the pub and they're not there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, yeah, so you get, you know. Um, but it's true, isn't it? Like if you have... Like, there are several people in my life now that um, is a school teacher, uh, a workmate, uh, you guys, uh, maybe half a dozen people who it's uh, Māori anake. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. And um, you, it's pretty important to develop those relationships, I say. Yeah, and it's challenging as well, uh, particularly if, as a whānau, you have established a relationship with your children in English, then switching it around. We have a lot of people who speak Māori to their kids and the kids will speak English back and that's a real big challenge for whānau. Um, and then, I, I mean, I, I, I sit here and I was thinking last night about our privilege because we are married to Māori-speaking people. So that's the way that you revitalise the real Māori, make everyone get married. Um, <laughs> and have kids. Yes. <laughs> no, but, but yeah, those relationships, and it, it requires a real... Um, Resilience. So what Guyon does and how he sits in the discomfort of not knowing, uh, it's really hard. I mean, this is an intelligent person. You're used to being good at things. Our friend Jenny May Clarkson, I remember she hated it. She's a silver fern. She's an achiever. So to humble yourself and to be back in a position where you can't always understand, can't always flick back a witty comeback is uh, very humbling, but it's a very courageous thing to do. So that's part of the relationship dynamic you have to See, see that's really interesting, isn't it? And because you, you, um, you all mentioned uh, those people in your lives are teachers who are really good at Ariel and uh, you turned around and ran away because that's the natural reaction. So I've seen people run away from this guy. Um, which um, wasn't the deal, I don't think. See, I can get you every now and again. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, because it's intimidating, isn't it? Like, um, because, yeah, because you're, you're, because you're not so good at it. How do, you, how do you overcome that? Like, in those first years, like, you, were, you, you guys were both saying that. How, how do you... I used to I used to talk to people about my own journey uh, when, when I was learning and, and being around other te reo speakers. And when these people used to talk to me, I'd be like a possum in the headlights. And I'd hear train bells ringing, and, and they'd just be saying, Koi te aakwe. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> and, um, That's the stage yeah, I'm Your heart <laughs> and your throat. And um, I think yeah. it's just self-belief. It's confidence in yourself. Mm. Um, and I think just being determined to be... to. Like, like Stacey felt that yearning all my life for something that was missing in my life. Baby, <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go. Um, I don't think we're actually going to do that, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just slowing yourself down. For me it was, it was just remembering to breathe <laughs> and just taking my time and not being whakama to ask, um, kōrero mai anō? Kōrero mai anō? That's a good one early on, isn't it? Um, absolutely. Yeah. And... Um, but yeah, I was a runner as well. I used to hide and run. I think my first kurereo, 
I was so anxious, I went to the bathroom and I sat there for about half an hour sweating. I thought I was going to be sick. Um, and it was Matero. <laughs> the most gentlest, ngawari, um, funny, um, amazing kaiako. And, and that's how anxious I was. Because um, you talk, yeah. Stacey, about uh, language trauma, don't you? What, what do you mean by that? Um, actually, Scotty's spoken about it on television. It, it was interesting to see on Facebook people going, oh, there's a new one. Oh, okay, what are they making up now? But language trauma is, uh, I mean, Rawinia Higgins is a very good expert on it, and Poya Rewi, um, who works here. Um, so language trauma is the manifestation of language loss, of this determination to uh, stamp out the reo Māori and the mana uh, that it has. And so in the ways that it will manifest is when you, we have all of these reactions that we have and they're physical reactions and it means that sometimes we turn away from the deal. Uh, we are... I, like, when I learnt Japanese, it was easy and everyone's much more impressed that I could speak Japanese than Māori uh, but actually Japanese was easy because I had no expectation, no weight of feeling that this was part of me and I should be able to speak it. Mm. It's just Japanese. Amari nihongo wakarimasen, karito gambarimasu. You know, just... Hi. Yeah, hi. <laughs> uh, whereas with Māori, it's, I believe it's also iho, mm. and so we feel the pain of our ancestors and of people that were beaten because they spoke Māori, uh, people in our whānau who, in these really subtle ways, were told that there is no value to te reo Māori. So Scotty was top-streamed at high school, and so he was offered French and German, and only in the lower levels were you offered Māori. So all of those things say that it's not an important language. Um, I say now, a, this, this is our act of resurgence um, and to be who we really are, our best Māori selves, and Scotty and I are Pākehā as well. Um, it's quite obvious with some of us that we have Pākehā blood as well. So to be our best New Zealand selves, we can express both of those sides. But um, language trauma is something that I think we, we need to be honest and open about that because it stops people, it makes them go, oh, I wanna, I'm really bad, I want to go back to the beginner class, oh, I'm mm. not as good as so-and-so, uh, how come I, I've been studying as long as Scotty, and how come I haven't got that ill? All of those things are language mm. trauma manifesting. Mm. Yeah, you see, in our, in our whānau, my aunties treat te reo Māori like it's their grandfather who spoke Māori. So on his, mm. on, on the grandparents passed away and they, they grieve their lack of knowledge of te reo Māori in the same way that they grieve their grandfather. Uh, and they look at, at us, and they, they're so proud of us, mm. but um, for themselves, uh, they, you know, they still hold on to that grief of not knowing when they go to the marae, when they go to a tangihanga, not understanding what's being said, but feeling like they should. Mm. And they, they still grieve that. And that grief, and for my cousins is passed on to them. And it's one of the, you know, one of the ways, like you say, that manifests that they, they feel like they're too dumb or they feel like they, not they're enough. not Māori enough mm. um, to be able to, to learn their own language. Mm. Uh, yeah. We've called this session uh, Te Reo Boom. Is, is it booming, Scotty? I, I believe so. Um, current statistics show that. Um, interest in... Uh, te Reo Māori courses is booming um, and that's been well um, 
uh, broadcasted. Um, you've got the, the, the Christchurch example with the fush. Is it fush? Yes, fush and chip shop? Fush? Yep, fush. Um, but even internally in terms of... Uh, and another example would be us at uh, TVNZ when um, we did a... a um, Memorandum of Understanding with Massey University to start to deliver Māori language courses at TVNZ because there's over a 1,000 employees there. And so we just put out a bit of a feeler email who would be interested in doing a 12-week introductory course to Te Reo Māori, da-da-da-da-da. And we had over 500 replies. Yep, we're in. We only had 20 places. And so now we're still trying to, we're trying to catch up because all of those people are waiting to come on. And so we took 20 on the first intake, then we upped it up to 40 and those people who came in the first 12 weeks are now into their third block of 12, 12 weeks. So a lot of them have carried on. I'd say probably about 60% of them have carried on. Um, you always get the attrition rate with, with Māori language courses, but that's, that's a pretty high number that have carried on. And the majority of them are not Māori. And so they're all very interested and in, in genuine with their attempts to, to learn. They want to learn because they feel it, it'll, it'll, it's part of them as being people living here in Aotearoa. So, because Stacey mentioned this, that the, 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 the mana of the reo had been, um, well, attempts had been made to tāmitanga, to suppress it, yeah. Um, so do you think that the, the mana of the reo is coming back in, 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 a, in a Pākehā sense? Is it being, is there um, social capital in using it now? Has is, is it, is it got status, I suppose? I think it's growing, and so the things that you've done mm-hmm. have contributed to that uh, because RNZ, publicly funded broadcaster, is uh, claiming your real skills very well. And uh, that does make a difference because it ups expectation. I notice in corporate settings, CEOs are giving mihi um, in award settings. That's become very standard. So all of those things contribute to the social status of Te Reo Māori. Uh, and also, I, I think... Part of it is you, you don't do something because you're told to. As New Zealanders, we pride ourselves on not taking instruction just because we should. Uh, but it's when we actually generally feel a connection. And I guess uh, with the terror attacks in Christchurch, how often did we see that people wanted to express their feelings with Māori, to say kotahitanga, that in our unity, with our aroha, uh, we, we see you as whānau, that we realise that Te Reo Māori helps us express our New Zealand experience. And that if we've ever got goosebumps when we've heard Te Reo Māori, when we watch Waiata, then we know that Te Reo Māori is part of us and it is for us. So it's this really fascinating time in our history, kind of like a teenagehood of going, okay, so I want to be this thing, but I don't quite know how to get there. And there's drama and there's pimples and there's all sorts of things about the stage that we're going through, but we're only there because of the kaipupuri, the mana or te reo Māori. Mm. So people like wharehuia, people who really fought when it wasn't the cool thing to do. Mm. And we must never forget um, that, say, Kiringawa said very eloquently at our last kurereo at Otako a few weeks ago that they are the lucky generation but when you fight for something, you appreciate it. So we need to make sure that this generation appreciates how lucky they are, how privileged they are, and that they honour the effort of their parents. Um, and just quickly while I can, I don't want the session to end without a huge mihi to these two. It just goes to show what it takes to change a community. Uh, if you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these two have affected so many whānau, and we're so incredibly proud and grateful um, 
that their tireless work and, and the way that they have shown such aroha um, has, has changed Dunedin in a lot of ways. And I know that it's, yeah, homai te pake pake. But it, it's fascinating too, people move in silos and so we all know, we're in this little bubble of te panakiritango te reo, you know, and uh, we see all the real speakers, but people like these guys actually reach out. And I know it's hard and it's intimidating. You see these kids are all so neat and you think, oh, I'm not a poi twirler. I still can't do poi, by the way. Um, but it's really important to have these people who are bridges. And then Guyon does his bit. Scotty does his bit. Scotty is mostly there for the queer audience. I was, um, <laughs> I was told at the tangi this week, she see, this woman said to him, she goes, you know, I'm only 80. <laughs> and, then, and then she said to me she goes you know I'm in my 80s we could arrange something like, oh hoi ano hoi ano kai pare pare te kaupapa yeah yeah but I really amakira wa tina yeah kuya amakira wa tina amakira wa so it's, it's interesting so, so we're, we're, we're teenagers yeah in your, in your analogy here um what do we need to do to get to get to the next stage, and 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 lift up hapainga to the next to the next level? What do you what do you think? What sort of strategies do we need? Is it is it me? Is it media? Is it is it classes? Is it all those things? What, what do you what do you guys think? I, I think it's just doing more of what we're doing. I mean, over held twelve years ago, we did a campaign called Genreo. And Stacey did the videos for the par- oh, yeah. parenting in Te Reo Māori and we had all these messages about the benefits of bilingualism and, and we, were really, we thought, wow, this is going to sell it. <laughs> um, but it, 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 for me, I think looking over the last few years, um, people like yourself in mainstream media, um, is it Jack Tummy um, <laughs> and others, um, who have just given it that boost, that have brought that boom into the, into the now, um, because for so long we've been saying the same messages, but it, sometimes it takes a different messenger, I think. Mm. And um, so, yeah, it's just, I think we've just got to carry on. We, you know, Ngaito have a strategy. Other iwi have other strategies as well. Um, te mata, wai. Um, I think we're all starting to work better together. And we did have a little weirder o strategy. Uh, it wasn't in Māori, but we'd said more together, better. So more Māori... More Māori together and more Māori getting better together. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think we've just got to keep going. Mm. For us here in Otipoti, not having many role models, so that's our mission is to create role models for our grandchildren. Um, not for us to create them, but to encourage um, support. Um, so for us, we spend a lot of our time... Um, we spend a bit of time focusing on other parents, but now we're looking at future parents... So we've got this um, dating program. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for a tiaroa young... <laughs> Have you... Uh, we've heard a bit about um, the fantastic work you've done here. Have you had any resistance for, from, for, for, your, for your mahi from people? No, no, I don't think so. No. Um, if we have, we haven't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, no, I think, you know, you hear different stories from people who are raising their children in te reo Māori and you might go to a supermarket or, mm. um, you know, just be out in your community speaking Māori to your children and, and there's different um, people who say they've had negative experiences from uh, people hearing them talk to their children. We, in the, you know, the 17 years we've been doing it, we have never had one. Every single person that's come to talk to us has come to praise us for using te reo Māori mm. with our children. Yeah. I think that, that paradigm shift in... The, the whole country towards, um, you know, uh, te reo Māori is amazing. We've never had a Prime Minister who's been brave enough to say the things that um, Jacinda Ardern has said about supporting the revitalisation of te reo Māori and giving her child a Māori name. Mm-hmm. That's, I don't know if we understand how much of it, an effect okay. it will have in our Pākehā community. Yeah, you're about to say something. Mm. Oh, it's just showing off, really, but um, that I did say to the Prime Minister when she was hapu, I said to her, I was wondering if you might call your baby Te because we were saying all these names that had been given to her by other iwi, we were saying, that's actually a dumb name, that one's too long. Um, and then I, I said, I wondered if you might think of Te because of where you come from, what it means, and she just went, oh yeah. And then um, I saw her afterwards and she said, you knew. Um, and they had it. But you're right, all of those things make a huge difference. But we've had resistance to um, our existence, um, to the fact that what we're trying to give our tamariki is their birthright. And then from that, uh, the birthright that we weren't born to, uh, also we... I realised I had no friends and I had no one who I could speak Māori with, so we built a community, basically, mm. in Auckland uh, with others. And uh, the idea of going to a coffee group in Ponsonby was absolutely horrifying to me, so we needed people who were like-minded. Um, so you need the tautoko to do that, because we've definitely had resistance and comments. What, what sort of things? I'm looking at you. That's my throw to you. <laughs> Uh, we were in the supermarket one day, the, the four of us, I think Stace was somewhere else, and, you know, talking Māori, and uh, there was this elderly Pākehā lady with an earshot of us, and she just turned around and said, oh, don't talk that jungle language here. And, uh, and I just said, oh, wow. I, I said to the kids, oh, me haere ki te hokomiti, ne, me haere ki te wahi hokomiti, you know, go to the meat yeah. part of the, and one of them said, hai, riri ai te kuia da papa, mm. you know, so I said, what, what, was, what was that kuia angry about? And I just sort of said to her, kawe mahararaka ka matei ya kone. But, um, but talking about that whakatukuranga, um, because I think that's sort of a, a generation that's um, starting to dwindle. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, you know, one of the uh, to put it nicely, um, but there's still, to there's, those of you of that generation in the there's audience, still pockets, <laughs> there's still pockets of um, of that type of person around the country, and um, I mean that, that was that was one of the few times. I mean, there's probably only been two or three instances in the twelve years that we've been out been bringing our kids up speaking Māori exclusively that we've encountered negativity most of it, same as the experience of Kōmene and Paul Edith, most of it's positive, most yeah. people say oh it's so good to hear you speaking mm. Māori one, one lady says to Stace, oh what's that language you're speaking? Mm. Stace says Māori you know like oh <laughs>
I should know that. Um, but, yeah. I, I was in the um, playground uh, with Nico, my fi- five-year-old, and, and I speak Māori to her because she doesn't correct me because uh, my, <laughs> my witty deal yes. is not very good. Yeah, yeah. My passes, uh, oh, she's correcting her mother, by the way. She, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> she, she has started that. But um, so, um, yeah, well, I was pushing her on a swing and, and we're speaking Māori. And um, these kids have been in the playground as well, and they've been um, ignoring us completely because they were seven or eight or something. <laughs> yeah. and just five-year-old, they weren't interested. And I was, um, but then when they heard uh, me speaking Māori to her, they rushed over and they said, you're, you're from, these Pākehā girls, you, you're from overseas, that, that, um, that's a really cool language, what language is that? Mm. And I said, this is your language. Mm. Um, and they were a little bit confused by this, and I just said, you know, this is te reo Māori, this is your language, this is the language of Aotearoa. And, oh, and they went back into their, um, to their slide. But, um, a very, a very high-profile friend of mine, who we will all know who this person is, I won't name her though, um, she was at the school assembly, because you know, at our school, uh, they, at the beginning of every term, they have a poor for the new families mm. that are coming in, the new kids, and so she brought her five-year-old son in, and um, I saw her later on that day at work at TVNZ. Clues are starting to happen here. And, um, and she, goes, she goes, oh, my five-year-old, he really enjoyed it. But he said to me, you know, why are they all speaking Chinese? <laughs> and, I, and I said to her, I said, what does that tell you? This person's name insert there. What does that tell you? They're not, they haven't, you know, they're in this little bubble and they're not experiencing, they're not engaging with... It's funny, isn't it? Because, and I feel a bit embarrassed about, um, you know, the the praise that I've got and the support that I've got. But it's interesting, isn't it, that, um, you know, you can live in this country and not hear any of this stuff. Because there are people doing incredible stuff. Um, but if it's on Māori media and you're not watching Māori media mm. or you're not listening to, to Radio Wātea or, or watching Te Kari, then you, you, you can almost pretend it's not there. But, but that, that, that point's changing now, isn't it? It's yeah, which brings us to compulsory reo in schools. Well, what do we think? <laughs> and that's, that's where... Um, that's where... Uh, ooh, that feels good getting a bit of applause for that. But, um, but I was actually not a fan of it. Really? Uh, no, I, I, was, I was actually on the other mm-hmm. side. Um, but it was when I went to Ireland and um, with, with the minister then, um, Tudor Flavel, mm-hmm. and we went on a bit of a reconnaissance mission having a look at language programs and went to Ireland, um, talked to a lot of the people, mainstream schools and, and the Irish language schools about the compulsory system there. And it was there that I changed my mind because you could see the benefit of it. And it doesn't necessarily guarantee that that they're going to be fluent speakers, but it does. Uh, what it does do is it uh, instills a positive attitude towards that language. And so, even if um, you know, even if they come through the school system and they're not fluent speakers, at least they've engaged with it. They know what it is. They're not going to call it Chinese, and they're familiar with it. So they know that this is the language. This is what it sounds like. I have a bit of an appreciation for it. So if people are speaking, I'm more likely to have a positive attitude and goodwill towards it. And that's a big. That's a big part of language revitalisation is goodwill, people having goodwill towards it and positive attitudes towards it and, actually, and giving it status. Yeah, yes. linguistic mm. understanding because I saw a real weakness when I went to Japan uh, and they gave us an orientation and all the American students knew what words like passive verbs meant and I'm sitting there going, I don't even know what it is in English, how am I supposed to learn it in Japanese? And we don't have that sort of what I consider to be language resilience because we aren't big language learners. We've fought hard for our right to be monolingual and the 
danger of that is that we don't understand mechanics of language very well, and so therefore learning second and third languages isn't as easy as it is for these tamariki that are bilingual, and they can recognize language at eight months. And so there is this big momo, this big waste. If we don't actually activate all those neural paths, people in the rest of the world generally can speak two or three languages. And no, we're here fighting about having to the audacity that we might have to learn another language. Mm. Um, we, we value all language. When we were in France, we got the kids to speak as much French as we knew. Mm. And my daughter actually came back and she said, my, kare ta, kare a te Māori. She said, hana mai my friend, she doesn't speak Māori. And I said, yes, she does, because I've spoken Māori too. And she goes, kao, i kia ki and so she'd just gone another language, you know. So all of those things we miss out on because we don't have uh, language learning skills. And, and the language learning skills go right across subjects. There's benefits everywhere. I think we too we need to um, sort of be careful, if you like, that we don't uphold the compulsory education of schools as the saviour mm. because it should only ever be the amo. It should only ever be a support to what's happening in the home. Our language mm. will be mm. saved by parents raising their children in te reo Māori. Um, it won't be saved by the school system. Um, and for all the reasons that Scotty said, that, you know, that it's awesome, it's awesome, we should, we should do it, but the, the strategy really needs to be about um, intergenerational transmission. Yeah, I wouldn't use the word compulsory. I'd, I'd just call it a core subject yeah. and put it as a core subject with English, mm. science and maths. Māori, those are your core subjects that you learn. And, yeah, he's dead right. it's not, it's not going to save the language, but the, what I saw the benefit of it in Ireland was that it, it definitely changes people's attitudes. It's an attitudinal thing that changes, and that's, that's a big part of it. Sorry, it's my if, father. If I'd been doing my... Could you call it a yeah. I should have told everyone to turn off their phones, shouldn't I? Do, do we have the capacity to do that uh, now? No, but no. we can work towards Nowhere it. Nowhere near it. There's and, so much work yeah. to be done. And um, just in our school systems in general, mm. I think, um, they, it's still not reflective of, um, of us. Mm. <laughs> yes. Oh, you get all negative. Um, <laughs> but I know in Dunedin we have a, sh- a shortage. It's probably around the country. Mm. We, just, we don't have enough te reo Māori teachers uh, to go around those schools who are, have done their best to, to offer te reo Māori, let alone now school, if it is to become um, compulsory. It's just a huge road ahead. Our colleges, we're just not seeing our, our Māori kids being inspired to want to be in that system. Mm. So we need a whole system change. Yeah. That's how and it, was it this week that uh, there was something about um, teachers pronouncing names correctly? You know, that's something that we've been, has been happening since we've had Pākehās teaching Māoris here in, in New Zealand, and we're still talking about it. You know, why are we talking about pronunciation yes. of children's names? Why are we still talking about that? And we're looking at compulsory education, and there's still a huge number of teachers out there that don't care enough about the people in front of them to pronounce their names correctly. Mm. Had, uh, one of our, my um, brother-in-law's uh, mother, Samoan, uh, taught here in the, in the 70s in, um, uh, in Dunedin, and her saying was, if, you don't, if, you, if you're a teacher and you don't care about your kids, don't bother turning up. Heather Duplessy Allen actually uh, was talking to me about this on News Talk ZB, and I said, well, I could call you Heather, 
And you, I, but I know that's not your name. So in respect for you, I say your name correctly. She said, yes, but you have the capacity to say Heather. Said uh, in general, people can have the capacity. We have the same mouths as each other. Everyone's got the same equipment. Yeah, <laughs> tongue, teeth, lips, same thing. And and I do understand. Sometimes it's hard. You know, I grew up at a school called, that everyone called Aranui, um, Mary Howe. I couldn't believe Mary Howe is Maitehu. I mean, it's so different. And the Kawara Jet. We have commercials where they say it's Kawara because that's how everyone knows it. It's Kawara. What is that? Kawera. Oh. I remember our, our rugby coach at Waikato University, we were playing for Ngaru Hawaii, and he said, we've got a practice game against Wara Wara this weekend. He's going, who are we playing? And I said, hey, to ask one of my mates, who are we playing on Saturday? He said, oh, it's Fata Fata, bro, but this is Wara Wara. And I was going, oh, jeez, I didn't even know who we were playing. But I would Never like to say, them. because he was uh, uh, talking about a certain generation, but then, um, you know, there's some silver-haired people here, tēnā kotou katoa, ako matua, uh, and the fact that we, we realise that we're lifelong learners and we have an opportunity to learn at every point in our lives. Uh, we had a man who had been diagnosed um, with terminal cancer, Zach Wallace, actually, who died not long mm. ago, and we were doing some language planning with him, and he said, I've got three months to live, and that's how long my language plan is. He actually outlived that, but he said, I know that the answers to some of the questions I've had in my life would have been answered if I'd had my deal. And it was still important to him at that age. And I just believe once we decide that we can no longer learn, we no longer have a capacity to take on a new skill. So let's talk, um, before we open it up for questions, about some of the strategies for adult learners. Because, as you say, when, when, um, when you haven't got many years on the clock, your, your brain's different and you, um, you absorb language so much more quickly. Um, as an adult learner, it's, it's pretty hard, isn't it? Um, if there are people here today who, who just, they really want to get started and they don't quite know what to do, what, what, is, your, what is your advice? Go and see these two. I'd find their books. I think it's yeah. a lot to do with Start. motivation. Yeah. Yeah. So you might want it, yeah. but what's going to keep you wanting it, what's going to keep you doing it when it gets hard? Yeah, what's going to keep you motivated to stay on track when you're tired, when um, you know, you're, uh, you know, you've had a crap week and you're supposed to do this particular thing that you've organised for yourself and you think, oh, you, know, you, you deprioritise it because of whatever else might be going on in your life. What is, what is the thing that motivates you to stay on track? Um, and I think that, for me anyway, that's, that's really I what think keeps me going. Just recognising what's available to you. So you can expose yourself to um, te reo through um, radio, television. So we use Māori television. Books, it's a radio festival. Books, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, um, you know, to, just to get your ear tuned to, to listening to te reo, because um, like I said, when, when I first started, it was like a possum in the headlights. And it was, when people spoke Māori to me, it was like trying to, if those who remember trying to tune your television and it was all static and didn't understand I'd pick out words here and there and then in time as you um, you know you've got to do your own work you can't escape that it's not just going to come to you by osmosis you have to 
uh, work at it, but um, in time, things start coming together, and, and before you know it, you're sitting there and you understand everything Scotty's saying on, on TV. Yeah, Sc- <laughs> so Scotty, those Scotty talks about the Matrix, yeah. the Matrix moment, <laughs> though I'm still waiting for my Matrix moment. <laughs> but looking at yeah, the tools moving. that are available yeah. to you through, yeah. you know, you can choose your, your own home environment, and so that's what we did with our kids, set them in front of Māori television. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon, you, TV? You, reckon you, could learn, you could learn that way either with immersion or with, with, with media just going all the time? Time, or do you reckon you have to do, you have to do what you do, or you have to re, have to find the structure and all that stuff? I think I think the best way is to have a plan. Yeah. So you work out what your plan's going to be. Um, we always talk about knowing what kind of learner you are. So do you learn best by by listening, watching, doing, or are you a grammar person? Do you need the grammar part put to, put together for you so you can see the nuts and bolts of a sentence? I mean, the ultimate way to learn is how. How these kids have learnt, and that's just through uh, living it, um, through observing, and through um, uh, 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 imitating. So you know, usually they'll be watching us, watching facial expressions, watching our hand actions, body body language, all of that kind of stuff, and starting to thread it all together that way. And then after mm. a certain amount of time, they're starting to put everything together, mm. and that's the ultimate way to to learn a language. But if you can't do it that way, then you try and work out a plan to get as close to that as, as possible. And I think it's important to take it out of the achieve or fail scale. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Every bit of time you spend on that deal is an investment. And you may feel like that investment doesn't pay off immediately, but it is actually, consider it soul food, consider it me time, mm. consider it a win, and then celebrate every win. So every time you do understand someone, I mean, I am always sending my, my mihi, and I'm so grateful, you know, at the big tangi this week, that I can just reply to queer when they're talking to me and enjoy their naughtiness and enjoy their banter and who they're saying should sit down and all those kind of things. Uh, so I, I appreciate every one of those moments because there were so many times where I'm like, oh my God, you're talking to me, stop talking to me, because then you'll see that I'm not very good, and now I've just talked to myself the whole time and I haven't listened to what you're saying, and I have no chance of understanding what you just said. And now you're speaking English to me, and that's the worst, because it's a big fail. So take it out of achieve and fail, put it into investment, put it into celebration, put it into... This is where we are. It's not our fault that we're at this place with the deal, but it is our our choice, what we do from here. And you can go up and down really quickly in the same day, can't yeah. you? You can have yeah. a conversation and think, oh, I did pretty well on that. And then you're watching Umi Zumi and Te Reo Māori on um, Māori TV and you're like, I don't understand this cartoon. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> so, um, On that note, do, um, l- let's get some questions. Um, here we go. First out of the blocks. We've got a roving mic there, so... Um, Kia ora. Kia ora. Um, I wonder what the uh, Netflix effect is. A mm-hmm. um, couple of observations of myself. I watch a load of Netflix. <laughs> right. I notice um, I lot watch a lot of films that are subtitled. And um, I notice that it's got... It's, you know, I'm one of these failed English students as a Kiwi kid. English was a mystery. Tereo was more of a mystery. I notice, um, so I notice uh, the subtitles help me read faster. Um, but I also notice that um, when I um, watch 
foreign films, I can't distinguish the words within the sentences. But every once in a while, there'll be something that's a movie in Tereo. What was it? The Darklands. Was that a movie? The Deadlands. Scotty translated that. I was able to pick out all these words that I, you know. Um, so I was interested. What's the net, not what's the Netflix effect on the Rayo? It's horrific. But couldn't it be a positive move? Couldn't it, it could, be good? Uh, but we don't have the money. Mm. Sorry to be down a buzz, but it's the reality of it. Um, so we, we will need huge investment. There are some things happening. Deadlands has got a new run that I think is actually going to be on Netflix, but it's in English, English. now. Mm. They wanted it in English, Netflix. Uh, resource is just a massive issue but yeah even so I was involved in the translation of Dora the Explorer and Umizumi I didn't actually do the translation but I did the research to say that we should do that because it's a uh, first person direct address so Dora will talk to the tamariki then she'll wait for them to respond and come back and that's how they get some language acquisition out of it but even then you get resistance because no we should be doing our own Māori one and oh no it costs too much the rights are too much so those are the challenges that we're up against so basically it comes down to putia. and what are your thoughts about that I'll take this question in a second here actually but I'll just grab one myself yep. in the meantime um what are your thoughts about subtitles? So when, when I watch Takari and I'm listening to it and then I've got subtitles, like sometimes I... Um, do you think that that's good to have them or not? Do you think it's better if people actually learn better because they get distracted and they can just read the English? Yeah, it's a, it's a good debate, that one, because um, we had a debate about uh, whether or not we should subtitle the live um, broadcast of Takari and... I don't think it is. Is it subtitled? No, 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 the one I watch is at like 10 to 6 in but the morning. What we do, yeah, to yeah, so that one's subtitled. Yes. So basically we thought, no, we, we need to reward people who have put their foot in and learnt te reo Māori and we need to, to not um, use uh, English language to give the Māori language status. So we, 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 didn't, we decided not to subtitle the live show. Mm. Uh, and that was mainly so that, um, yeah, so that people who knew the reo uh, understood that it all can, uh, you know, the reward is you can watch this. I think too sometimes yeah. the, the subtitles, if you are a Māori speaker, don't always no, they don't match, match up, up with what's being said. So often I will, yeah. I'll find myself lazily reading the subtitles and then just thinking, he didn't say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then that's just, just what was a Māori speaker, a Māori language speaker will pick that up, but a, a non-Māori language speaker will, will, won't even know that. No. That's not actually what's being said sometimes. No, no. It's because sometimes they're, they're being economic on words and yeah. they're summarising a big yeah. idea in one or two sentences. Yeah. Um, so you actually do miss out on the richness of the language because of the subtitles. Yeah. So you know you don't want to just um, go to the subtitles as being... A, what's, what's the term I'm looking for? Is, uh, what it is. But it's, no, it's kind of... Yeah, so, and that's just your comfortable position that you're in. And thinking, I'll just read the subtitles because you do actually miss yeah, out on a lot of the richness yeah. of the language by just relying on subtitles. Mm-hmm. So if you're actually learning it, better to learn it and understand it, and you, then you get the whole picture. Yeah. Now we had yeah. a question up here. Yeah. Kia ora. Thank you. Thank you all very much. I, well, I had two questions, which is good because that was the first question <laughs> about subtitles. Um, the second question, other people may know this, but I don't, and you didn't elicit this during the start, but what was your path to speaking Tereo Gaim? 
Oh, what was my Past. stories? Um, yeah, um, kind of a number of things. Um, I, I, my wife Emma is Maori, um, and um, but we didn't speak it at home really. And she she has some real from her uh, school days. Um, it was really when we had our daughter Nico that we wanted to give her her language, and that was my main motivation. Um, you know. Um, I think, as Kormini was saying, you've got to stay ahead of your kids, right? So, um, yeah, I just, I wanted her to have her language, and um, I wanted to help her do that, and um, yeah, that was, um, that was my primary motivation, and, and then, because someone had given me a mic, and I was on a radio station, I, I thought, well, I'm, I'll, I'll share what I'm learning with, with all you lot, you know, um, <laughs> and, um, you know, just because I've got the mic. Um, so, so I started doing that, um, and there was a few interesting reactions to that. Um, and, um, yeah, I've just continued from, from there. And I, you get the bug, you know. Um, I always kind of... But I, I, grew up in, I grew up in Christchurch, Pākehā um, family. I, I remember I had a, a whole conversation with my dad recently about kauri trees, and he knows everything about trees, but he didn't know what tree I was talking about, because to him it's a kauri yeah, tree. Yeah. So w- we grew up mangling the beautiful names of, um, of the places. Um, we used to call uh, Taitap, Taitapu. Um, you know, we, we, um, that was, and, you know, that's no excuse. I mean, that's what we did You've in Christchurch in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> I had to unlearn Mm. I had to unlearn all these things to even start when I started um, at 45, 46. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my, that's kind of my journey, um, which I'm very much at the start of, I should add. Um, okay, question up here. Um, I've been subject to a lot of positive feedback because I, um, I've learnt Māori through the school system and thanks to Komine as well. And um, I've been subject to a lot of positive feedback because I don't have a Māori background. I have whakapapa, but I, haven't, I wasn't raised around it. And when I see um, Māori people who don't speak Māori but they've been brought up around it, they don't get the same sort of positive feedback as people who haven't been brought up with it get. You, know? you see a Pākehā learning... Um, Māori and you say oh good on you you see a Māori learning Māori you say oh you should know that anyway mm. and so how do we how do we encourage the Ngāiwi Māori whānui to pick up their reo and you know not feel mm-hmm. bad about it and not feel like oh I should have done this ages ago for me it's um, it's not just a language it's learning our history and understanding the impact that uh, colonisation has had um, on not only our language but on our, our Māori world, a way of looking at the world um, yeah and so, I mean kapahaka we, is just a vehicle, I actually hate kapahaka I was just all uniformity and, you know, um, but but for, through kapahaka it's, it's, a, it's another vehicle um, to share those stories um, to stand um, Proud to stand with confidence, and even though I always say it's a performance, it's not. It's more than that. When you uh, understand what you're singing about, and um, and you are there to convey these stories, um, then you feel it, 
And so it, it becomes more than just a performance but mm. for... It's a really good access point, though. But I think mm. that's a layer of teaching that we need to think about and also a layer of society we need to think about uh, because it is traumatic for Māori uh, to engage in real Māori learning. And so, for instance, one small tactic we take is we don't teach pepeha in the first or second session of Reo Māori classes because it's kind of when people have got up the courage to come to a Reo Māori class and the first thing they're faced with is yet another sign of their loss and how they don't know who they are, that is just not a welcoming... It's, a, it's way too tough, I, in my opinion. Uh, so if you know your pepeha all good, you're fine, but if you don't, it's just another reminder of how disconnected you are. So one thing I've been using lately is a two-minute video uh, from Kaala Settle and Scotty's colleague, Hania Douglas, on Te Karere. And she says to Kaala Settle, who's here on tour with Hugh Jackman, she says, I know you said you haven't got time for your pepeha, but this is Te Karere. And she says, okay, she's sort of laughing away, and she knows that she's a McDonald. And then she says her mum had taught her whakapapa. And as she starts to go through it, she gets more and more emotional, and she absolutely breaks down. And Hugh Jackman's going, what? There's something incredible happening, and, and I'm going to show it with my actor face. And, <laughs> 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 and then... She's crying, Hania's crying, and then Hania reaches over and she says, I just want you to know, your poa and my poa, cousins. And they connect. And, and Hugh Jackman's brain goes, boom! It does. <laughs> you see it, like it's X-Men, yeah. Um, but it's true, but that's just to demonstrate, this is what pepeha is, this is how deep it means. I am showing you my ancestors, my ancestors, ancestors, the land that has sustained me and my people forever. So why you want people to do that in the first lesson? Mm. Mm. So it's about aroha, really, and approaching teaching and approaching our journeys with aroha. And, and, and let's be real about it, bro. I mean, um, uh, sometimes, you know, it's not Pākehā who are negative towards the real Māori. Sometimes mm. Māori are too. And sometimes mm. Māori people are their own worst enemy in a lot of this. So there's a lot of puhaihai, there's a lot of jealousy, there's a lot of backstabbing, all of that kind of stuff that goes on, even in the real Māori community, mm. and a lot of negativity towards some people. And so um, I think you've got to be bigger, bigger than that and try and, and just, just focus on what the kaupapa is, and the kaupapa is the revitalization of the language, because there's quite a few haters amongst us, even in the Māori language community and even in the broader Māori community. And sometimes we're our own worst enemy. It's that tall poppy syndrome sometimes. People will chop you down because, you know, you got something right or you, you, know, you did something well and then there'll be someone there who'll be negative towards it, even if they're a Māori language speaker. So it's just about thinking about what the big picture is and focusing on that and trying to keep all of the negativity out, that you're doing the right thing. You're doing your part to revitalise the language. You've learnt it. And now what's the next, next step for you and your language journey? Where do you go from here? And then... Um, yeah, then, then you're making your contribution towards the revitalisation kaupapa. Yeah, because if your kids ask you, why didn't you learn Māori, why didn't you teach me Māori, and you have to turn around and go, well, someone was mean to me, are, are you going to be happy with that? Uh, kia ora koutou, Sam Aho from Otatahi Christchurch. Uh, I'm really interested in, in a couple of things you've said um, around the, the kaupapa is the reo, um, and uh, the other saying before about not... Um, not using English to advance, like the, the, the saying you said, Scotty, on, on mm. the Rio, not standing on English. And I ask in the, in the context of the shooting in Christchurch recently um, and around our, you know, we're using English now to advance pretty rapidly uh, the teaching of the Islamic values. 
uh, and just to advance understanding. And I guess my question is around how, what the, I, I get and I believe in fully the advancement of uh, the Reo, and we all need to, to do that, and myself I'm starting to. Um, but what I see is the actual, the bigger need in the immediate um, sort of problems that our country faces is advancing the, the Māori values uh, as widespread as possible because that will have, the, um, at least in the immediate term, uh, a huge impact on the way our communities operate. Mm. And that's the thing that as a non-Māori um, speaker that I really struggle to understand. And so I don't know if learning the reo is the, is the sort of only road in, and that may be, that may be the case. Um, but, I, but what we've been learning since the shooting is actually uh, learning the values and the basic understanding is actually the... the the other way in that, that, that sort of starts you on that journey. And so I'm just interested in the panel's reflection on that. Yeah, yeah no, you, you're correct. It's not the only way in. Um, but what I was alluding to before was that uh, uh, what the Māori language does, uh, if you learn it uh, well enough and become fluent enough in it and understand it uh, to a certain level, it, it starts to give you the, the richness of everything and the, and the depth and the layers uh, behind um, Māori principles, Māori values and stuff like that, you see the layers behind it and where it all comes from. I mean, you, you could talk about manakitanga and, mm. and how it means generosity, hospitality and things like that and you can use that principle in your everyday life, you can use it in the workplace or whatever you might do and it is, a, it is a, an avenue for, for you to start entering into the Māori culture and into the Māori language um, but the depth of how you'd use manakitanga in terms of its fullness and its richness comes with more language um, and with your, with your ability in the language increasing. So, but I, I agree that it's an avenue in. There's a lot of different avenues in. Um, but the, I, I find that if I'm, if I'm talking about a particular aspect of the culture, say if I was talking about tapu and noa, um, the, the depth of how I could explain that can, uh, can only really be achieved through me explaining it in the, in the real. I could explain it pretty well in English, but it, it, the richness of it and the depth of it, I suppose, can only come with you by explaining it in the real. But I like what you're saying about Māori mm. values, and I agree. Mm. Uh, and then, interestingly, we talk more about Kiwi values. And do we think of Kiwi as a Māori word? And where are Kiwi values and Māori values aligned? And where are we happy for Māori values to sit Distinct, you know. So it's a it's a part of the conversation, I, I guess, around the our point of development. But eh, tikata, I, yeah, I agree with what you say, mm. and we do lean on that because I think in times of uh, tragedy like that, we get a sense that hey, hang on, I think that the Māori people have got this death thing a bit more sussed. Um, and but in terms of we've got to look at all of those opportunities to actually share, and, and Scotty was involved in the coverage of the memorial, and that's why um, Māori having a place in broadcasting does matter, because mm. you can share values and a depth of, of approach. And I know it's hard because people think, well, I live next to these people, do we really think that differently? And it's uh, an opportunity rather than somewhere where someone needs to win, someone needs to lose. Okay, we've got a couple more questions, um, then we better wrap it up. So in the front here first, and then... Uh, Kia ora. Um, I've just been recently listening to a really awesome uh, music, Alien Weaponry. I'm just wondering um, how you see them, if you see them as a, another way into listening and learning about uh, Te Ao Māori. Absolutely. Te pai Absolutely, yeah. Rawe, rawe. The, the, the language revitalisation is always multifaceted. 
happening. So it's not just one way. It's got to be a whole lot of different um, initiatives working together towards the common goal. And heavy metal music in the reel is one of them. <laughs> Definitely. If you know anyone from Tuhoi, Netflix. you know they're all metalheads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, heavy metal music, Netflix, YouTube, whatever, all of the different platforms that are out there, the language has to be there. Um, so one, so you've already spoken about the. Sorry, um, you've already spoken about the uh, about the compulsory te reo Māori in schools. Um, what what would be your opinion around the one mil, the one million speakers of te reo Māori by twenty forty? Or do you reckon we need the um, sort of the population of Aotearoa New Zealand to understand that? I'm trying to understand that, uh, to be able to pronounce and pronounce our words correctly and understand how important our culture is. And then, what will be your? It's like what at all? I'm terrible. With, uh, I technology made up, Max. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, um, so uh, w- do you reckon that we need one million, one million Tiramari speakers by 2040, or or how the population of Aotearoa to understand? The importance of our, the importance of saying our reo and pronouncing our reo correctly, and what kind of what kind of strategies would you would you recommend? Uh, I think everything has a critical mass, and if we hit that critical mass, then um, then things will change, uh, you know, at a f- much faster pace. Uh, and so, working towards that one million people will put us at a at a critical mass for our language, and that will be at a point where we can say, "Oh well, you know, our language is, is alive and well." And a, f- a strategy would be raise your children into their Maori, teach them their language, um, tell them their stories, make them proud to be who they are. Uh, yeah, breed them out. That's an aspirational goal. That's from the Mahi um, Corona, the Maori language strategy, the Crown's Maori language strategy. And it's a, it's just it's an aspirational goal, and it's come. Its genesis has come from the, the trip to Wales and Ireland that, that we went on in 2016 with the minister. And the Welsh Māori language strategy is to have, I think they're more they're a bit higher. I think they're about two two million or something like that by 2050. And and that's where we had a discussion after that trip, and we talked about what would be the aspirational goal for New Zealand. And where are we now, Scotty? It's... Oh... I don't think we're anywhere near that, obviously. But uh, I, I know the statistics for Māori is... Uh, so the last sentence was... A census was there was 749,000 Māori. That was the population. Uh, and 23% indicated that they could have a conversation in te reo Māori. The problem with that is that it's, uh, it's, um, it's self-assessed. Yes. So you look at the thing, and if, if, if they say, can you have a conversation in Māori, and you think, oh, yeah, I can go kia ora, and I can say, kei te pēhea koe, say, yep, yep, that's me. Yeah. And that kind of skews the, the statistic. I reckon it's probably more half of that. Mm. Yeah, probably about more around 12, 12.5% yeah. of the Māori population that can speak Māori, and of the 12.5%, there's only 2.3 who speak to their kids in te reo. So... If, if we're talking about um, language revitalisation, and as Kōmeni and Pauliere have said, that raising your kids in Māori is, is the pillar of any language revitalisation initiative, doesn't matter what the language is, if kids aren't being raised in that language, then that language is in trouble. And if we've only got 2% or so of 
the Māori population that can speak Māori, raising their kids in Māori, that just shows what a precarious state we're in. Yeah. So that's the critical mass that we need to grow yeah. is Māori language speaking families. Yeah. Now there was a question up here too, wasn't there? Kia ora koutou, ko Beki um, I'm curious, we touched earlier on the um, making te reo Māori a core subject in school. Uh, we come from a, a very rural, traditional farming community. Uh, our four tamariki probably make the um, less than 5% Māori children at the school. Um, and I'm just wondering uh, if that does go ahead... Um, it is a very long journey, and I'm curious as to your um, thoughts on, on how, how that would be achieved. Where does that journey start, um, and, and sort of what progression does that look like? Because uh, we have no, um, as I said, we've got the very small number of Māori children. Uh, our kaiakoa is uh, non-Māori speaking. We have no resource to pull on. Um, and I'm just wondering, what does that journey look like? Because it will look very different, uh, for example, in Auckland uh, to what it would look like for small-town rural communi- communities. So what, if it goes ahead, how would, that, how would that look in your eyes? Do you have any thoughts on what it would look like? It would have to be gradual. I think they're already looking at 2025, I think, was the year they were thinking about it, to become a core subject. Most people have a bit of an issue with the word compulsory. Mm. That's, that's one of the big things. So if it becomes a core subject and they use a bit of stealth to slip it into the curriculum, they might get away with it. But uh, there's going to be a lot of negativity and a lot of resistance towards it, but it's just going to have to be part of the maturing process. So that over the next few years, whether it's 2025 or 2030, that it becomes a core subject, it's going to take a lot of time to create the resources, create the teachers or, or uh, train the teachers to be able to do it and it's going to have to be, um, there's going to have to be a bit of education behind it too so that people can see the value. It's not about Māori, it's about having another language. Well it is about Māori but it's about having Māori as your second language and whether the kids are Māori or not, that doesn't matter, that's, that's not the point. The point is um, if, if you have this language, it's going to open other neural pathways in a child's brain and all of the other positive aspects around learning another language. Um, if it's Māori, well, it should be Māori because we're in New Zealand and it's the indigenous language here. It's an official language. And so by learning it, um, they'll have more of an appreciation of their surroundings. Where they And coming back to the pronunciation thing, that won't be an issue. Yeah? If they're learning Māori through school, that'll automatically fix pronunciation problems. Yeah, and just hearing you as a mum, hoping for the best for your kids and your kura, kanui te mihi kiaakwe, uh, it's hard. And to tell you the truth, it's not as great in Auckland as you would think. Mm. Uh, so we went, we, the school that we're in zone four, we went to them, we said, I've got 30 whānau, we can use the marae just across the road, and we we're all excited, and we've got, he's quite good at Māori, and we'll be able to help. And they went, no, we can't. And so we took our kids to another school. So it's also, um, uh, I'm saying in terms of supporting your teacher, it can be really simple things. That's why we wrote Māori at Home. So it's just your maybe beginning of the day if they're willing to start with karakia or they're willing to do um, mihi at the beginning. Kia ora, ko Stacey tōku ingwa, tēnā katoa. Then if they're willing to have waiata, if they're willing to have pōwhiri, if they're willing to have certain parts of the day that you can just grab little... Um, Po and little milestones through the day that they can have Māori in there, and then you're actually supporting the teacher, not just going, okay, you do it. Because the reality is, is that when your kids are engaged in any sorts of, sort of Māori language education, the expectation on parents is huge. 
and parents always have to tautoko and be there and do dishes and do fundraisers, but also um, we can support the, the teachers. So that's one way that I would suggest. That's why you need community. That's why you need mm. kaha behind you. Final thoughts, because otherwise we're going to get kicked out. So Sorry. So when we were parents and um, you know our school couldn't offer it, and in fact that's probably what motivated us to just take control and, um, and, and just do it for ourselves. But um, just reflecting on those times when I think Tumai got stuck down the, between the chair of the arm and the wall, and, and I went running over to him because he was crying, and I went, oh, um, Kate stuck queer. <laughs> and Kormini was on the, doing something on the old computer, and he said, Kōrero Māori. <laughs> and... Um, I didn't have time to argue with him because the kid was still stuck. <laughs> and I didn't have time to run and find my little Māori language dictionary and look up the word for stuck. And if I had, have, I probably would have found pity, pity and found all these different kinds of stuck instead of saying kua moque <laughs> and then picking the child up. But um, thankfully, um, you know, as your journey as parents as well as Māori language because you've prepared these amazing resources that are ready, readily available, so it saves you having to run and leave your stuck child in the corner and find your dictionary. Um, but, you know, helping to prepare um, our, our future. Not, you know, I hear you saying that schools can use it and that, but um, we've been using it in a, a little project. We've been running Heireo Tukuiho and, and giving these workbooks to parents so that they can go home and, 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 and use these resources. So I encourage everyone in the room, um, if you're not already on this journey, um, Get, get hold of these books and, and use them as a really valuable resource. And I know you've talked about your ones Yeah, your and just, I mean, to be able to... If, if, you're, if you're wanting to, to, to speak Māori and you're going to something um, and you know you're going to be using a certain set of words or sentences, it's a great little thing to do before you go because you don't want to, early on in the conversation, not know the Māori word for such and such. So look it up. So it's a bit of a cheat sheet before you go and, and prepare. Or you... Um, what I love about uh, Māori at Home as a book is just the different sections. If you go into the beach with a bunch of kids, you've, you've got a section there, some words that might come up. You know the word for sandcastle, you're away. So it's, um, <laughs> you, you know... Um, prepared. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, can't, um, I can't speak highly enough of, of, of those resources too and how, how much they've um, helped me in, in, in my journey. So thank you um, so much. Hold my tapaki paki. Uh, thank you so much. Um, you've been a uh, great audience. Thank you so much for your questions. And thank you to New Zealand National Commission for UNESCO and to Otago Polytech too for, uh, for the taupoko, for the support uh, for this session. Nā mihi kia koutou. Tēnā koutou. Tēnā koutou. This Dunedin Writers and Readers Festival recording was brought to you with funding from the New Zealand National Commission for UNESCO and with the support of ORFM. The festival receives help from many corners, but we'd like to give special thanks to our major funders, Creative New Zealand, the Dunedin City Council, the Otago Community Trust and the Lion Foundation. Mm-hmm.